Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grand Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Player FM, Wednesdays 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern on Indie Rap Radio, as well now on iHeartRadio uh, and Block Talk Radio as always. Your host, Oscar Lopez here. We're going to have a great show today. We should have the salty one back in the mix, Mackenzie Brooks coming up here within the hour. And we're going to have two awesome guests today, uh, Seattle Majestics coach Scott McCarron coming off the WNFC playoffs against Utah. We're going to talk about the WNFC um, nine cup championship that's going to come up here in a, cu- in a couple weeks. And we are going to have a special guest here today, coach Anthony Stone. Uh, for, uh, he's a great coach out of IFAB with the Australian team, as well as uh, does a lot of awesome things with the coach stone podcast. So he'll be here in about 40 minutes. And we're going to talk about back to basics, some of the things that he's doing to uh, enhance football for everybody and give them tools and things to kind of work with. Uh, so we'll have that in, in, ter- in terms of also scoping the WFA playoffs, the WNFC picture in terms of we're coming into the two final teams. We're going to dive into the international scene a little bit in about the second hour, as well as Legends Football League Week 8 and kind of look forward to Week 9 here as we're coming up. And we are going to dissect pretty much a uh, big bombshell today. News came out probably within about a couple hours ago that uh, Franco Harris's company, Adenation, uh, signs a multi-year deal as the title sponsor for the WFA National Championship. It's going to be airing on ESPN3, and that's going to be over at uh, the Colorado School of Mines, Marv K. Stadium in Golden, Colorado. And that'll be the uh, two-day event, July 12th and the 13th, which will include the Division I, Division II, Division Three National Championships, an All-American game featuring, uh, obviously, the most elite players in the WFA uh, playing at the at the event. Uh, NFL Hall of Famer uh, Franco Harris has uh, obviously co- is co-owner of the Pittsburgh Passion, and he was one of the uh, individuals that was instrumental in getting um, the WFA National Championship at Heinz Field. Uh, so multi-year deal with, uh, with Franco Harris's company, Adenation. That was announced earlier, about three hours ago. Uh, via Mile High Blaze um, Facebook page. So we're going to have a, a great show today. McCarran, Scott McCarran coming in here to kind of figure, uh, talk about the WNFC the whole year, um, his Majestics against the Falcons, and then we're going to dive into uh, everything else at WFA. So let's kick it off here right now. Um, Cali War, and we talked about the Portland Shockwave on our last podcast, how they needed to make a statement here. Well, they made a statement. They apparently did not show up for the playoff game. They decided that they were not able to do it, so they forfeited in in a way the uh, championship. You know, for the I mean semifinal uh, event that was going to take place against Cali War, which is the quarterfinals basically, and so they didn't show up. So Cali War automatically gets the win. Uh, the other matchup was Arlington Impact against the Kansas City Titans. Kansas City. With the Massey picture involved and everything else, everybody's like, oh, two and six team, why, how did they get in? Well, uh, reality's reality, right? Uh, Arlington, uh, 
face it, had been playing good ball all year. And this is their moment. This is the impact's moment. If they want to make a statement here in D1, in the Division One, the way it's structured this year, which a lot of people consider it a weak structure, and I'm not taking away anything from the uh, impact at this point, but if they want to make a statement here in the WFA and one step closer to the national championship, uh, this is their moment. They take care of Kansas City 34-21, an impressive fashion there. So the impact will go up against the uh, West Coast Pacific juggernaut that it is the Cali War. So Cali War has had, what, almost three weeks off? Uh, they've had a lot of time off, a lot of time off, and they're probably ready to hit somebody. So uh, they are going to be going up against Arlington. Arlington, this is the, uh, the, the game that they want to have. This is the team that they want to beat. This is a, a team that was blended from the Los Angeles Warriors of last year. They were the runner-ups to the Boston Renegades. So it's a big deal contest coming up for the Arlington Impact. So everybody in Arlington, uh, all the players, the coaches, this is your game. This is the moment. This is where you want to be. And this is the team that you want to beat. Uh, if, you, if you beat this team, you have an opportunity to go to the national stage in Denver, in Golden, Colorado, going up against probably the best team on the planet, which would be the Boston Renegades probably the best team in the WFA and the, probably the best team on the planet in terms of commitment, in terms of structure, and they are undefeated. And it would be the story for, for years to come to have Arlington show up and if they get through Cali War here and go up against Boston and able to beat Boston as undefeated, uh, as they are undefeated and coming in and beat them. Big, big hurdle. I know I'm just like going overboard here because I'm, you know, going over, but uh, first hurdle obviously is Cali War, and that's something you got to get through. So that's a, a goal that you got to make. So it's coming up here June 29th. It is the Arlington Impact. They will be taking on Cali War out in the West Coast. The other matchup happened. Uh, Boston took care of D.C. in the regular season finale week 11. So that, wasn't, that was kind of expected in a way. So uh, 62-32, I believe, the result there. So Boston continues to roll. Just a lot of weapons on that team. Defensively pretty stout as well. Um, veteran quarterback, veteran leadership, just a lot of a lot a lot of tools in that bag in Boston. So they are going to take on the rematch. So uh, Count Galdi and company, Lexi Floor, Deja Scott, and everybody in D.C. has one more shot, and this is the shot to go and move forward. This is the shot to Denver. This is the opportunity to go to the national championship. They get their shot one more time. Um, I don't know if the result's going to be any different, but I will tell you that this is the battle, the marquee game for the WFA in Division One is D.C. versus Boston once more time. Uh, but I'm going to be watching at, at Arlington Cali War because I, I want to see if this is the underdog Arlington impact going up against what everybody considers this awesome juggernaut that is the Cali War. And out in the West Coast, every year, this team gets by, gets by because the schedule is a weak schedule. I'm just, you just got to put it out there. They get by, they get here because of a weak schedule. They play this schedule, they play, sure. But it doesn't help them that, like last year, there was forfeited games prior to that, and they show up. And so I don't know if that's something going forward that Lisa King and company needs to address over on the West Coast because there is not that competitive matchup. You get to the stage and the opportunities there. Will they, will they get to the national championship? 
I would say probably 98% guaranteed to get there. Uh, but the underdog is obviously uh, the Arlington Impact. Arlington Impact is going to be the underdog. So we'll see exactly how that turns out. But that's the picture in D1. D2, uh, we, it was a rematch of St. Louis uh, Slam taking on the Minnesota Vixen. We knew Minnesota was going to come back better than they were uh, the matchup against them in the regular season. We already un- un- kind of figured that out already. We knew uh, Jody Orlander and company out there were going to come back, and they did. 16-8, uh, to eight, a closer matchup game than the last uh, game that they faced each other. St. Louis continues to roll 8-0. They finished the regular season undefeated. This is their moment. Uh, they have been on a roll since week one. They have done what they had to do. Now they are going to take on uh, Mile High Blaze, 30-22. Mile High Blaze really uh, just playing good ball. And they uh, got a scare against the Houston Energy in, in Mile High. So at this point, uh, you can go watch the video there. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Tony Triplett's catch, 22 seconds left. And that puts away the energy. 30-22, Mahai moves on. And this is where Wynn and Mahai, Smooth Glory Jones, Sasha Cruz, our no-joke athletes, this is where they want to be. They are going up against no different than Arlington going against Cali War. They are going up against the best team in D2 bar none. That is the St. Louis Lamb. And if you want to make a statement, this is the statement game that you want to make. This is the team that you got to beat. Can they beat the St. Louis Slam, and that's going to be a huge, huge, huge game that they got to play to do that. So on the other side, Pittsburgh took care of the Wolves. We already knew uh, the last three weeks, the Passion have played outstanding ball. Hozo and company, Baker out there, they're just easily going in it. And uh, 41-6, to not a problem. They are ready for the playoffs. And you can tell based on their game, they were very stout on defense. They had a really good uh, run game. Um, this is what this is where they want to be. Columbus Comets taking on the Detroit uh, Detroit Dark Angels. The Angels, we said they had to make a statement here two weeks uh, about three weeks ago. They've kind of fallen off, and now they kind of picked it up. This is their season. This is their this is their marquee game. It is uh, 24 to eight. They took care of the Comets. So now it is Pittsburgh against Detroit. Uh, it is a situation no different than Arlington against Cali War. Can the Dark Angels rise up to another level here? and beat uh, Pittsburgh. It's going to be a big hurdle for them. But this is the moment for Detroit if they want to make some sort of statement for the season uh, going up against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just waiting. You know, at this point, they they are just running on good fuel. It, it will be a kind of interesting matchup here if we get Pittsburgh-St. Louis. It's going to be a great class here. Uh, not to take away from Detroit or Mile but this is where the expectation would be at this point. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Mississippi Panthers against the Mississippi Royalty, 40-14. to 14. Nobody knew that this was going to happen, but this is a battle of the state and a Mississippi Panthers. The Lady Panthers come out 40-14. to 14. They prove a statement. The only drawback to them is now they got to go to Nevada, which is a hurdle. So fundraising for them is going to be huge. Going up against the Nevada Storm, which they took care of business against Sin City, 36-0. to zero. A statement game for Nevada. Nevada played Cali War really tough, 12-6. to six. Uh, I think the Storm, this is their year. This is where if they want to make this uh, a big moment for them, this is their year. This is the moment the Storm rise. And it is an impressive season for them. They've had a great run. Uh, now they get ready 
uh, this next weekend to face, I mean, uh, June 29th to face Mississippi Panthers. Same similar story here. Underdog beats the big royal uh, royalty. Now they get to go to Nevada and see if they can take down the storm. It would be a huge story, similar to the Arkansas uh, Wildcats story of a, a couple years ago. Um, and then it was uh, the Columbus Vanguards, 14-0 to zero against the Maine Mayhem. This game was called in the third due to lightning. So we don't know what the story would have been if it would have been a full game. It was a pretty close game as it is. But, um, you know, i got to give the win to the Vanguards. The Vanguards' second-year second year team, the every year this is the first year that they're making the playoffs, but they're very impressive two years for them in terms of their coaching staff and their organization. So uh, hats off to them. They are going to be taking on what is the D3 national champions, the Orlando Anarchy. And if you thought the Anarchy, we talked to Melissa uh, Sparks, when you thought the Anarchy was kind of like just banged up and couldn't sub supplement themselves, and everything. they go to Derby and they just put a 43-8 to routing on the Derby City Dynamite. So I don't know what happened to Derby, um, you know, lack of manpower. I don't know. I don't know what the story is. If anybody can tell us what the story is there, but reality is the Division Three champions are still in the hunt for a repeat. And so 43-8, uh, to eight, this is their, their statement game, and they make it really easily uh, out there in Derby. That was a great road trip win for uh, uh, Hunter and company out there. So it's going to be uh, – Columbus Vanguard's going to Orlando to face them on June 29th. So that's kind of a kind of a good picture there for that. So uh, we're going to go into the huddle, uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And you guys uh, pretty much know, if you guys listen to the podcast, Zazzle's been a sponsor for six years. Check out Zazzle.com, for slash Gridiron Beauties. Get your leggings, hoodies, and everything else that is no-joke football. Get the original shirt, the gray and black no-joke football shirt. That's our top seller. I get it for about $25 up to 20% off, so you get it for almost about $18. If you get Zazzle Black for about 10 bucks for the year, you get free shipping in the, in the States. So check it out. Take the deal on Zazzle Black, and you get free shipping, so about 18 bucks for the shirt. Help out our project, and uh, check it out. Uh, Zazzle.com forward slash Brand Beauty. you miss anything that we're talking about right now or have no clue, you can always go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That's once again, Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Check out our Instagram where the Leonas of Yucatan won the Osafe AC Championship up in uh, Yucatan, Mexico, and Merida. So congratulations to the Leonas out there. Check it out. Go like our uh, Instagram. Uh, congratulations to them. We also had action happening in Brazil, the uh, Brazilian uh, Championship in Parana, and it, that was the Curitiba Silverhawks winning 9-6 uh, uh, to six over the uh, Cold Killers. So check it out on there. Highlights at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. We've got stories plus videos there. And we got TD Tuesdays. So check out all the TD Tuesday highlights and videos that we got on the, on the actual Facebook page. So let's go into the huddle. And we're going to be talking to the coach of the Seattle Majestics, WNFC, uh, basically semifinalists up against Utah this past weekend. And Utah moves on this week. This, uh, this weekend moved on. Obviously, being Seattle, now they go to the nine cup that's going to happen in Denver. So let's bring in Coach McCarron here. Coach McCarron, how you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing well. You had to rub that in a little bit, didn't you? I had to bring it in. I just got a, just a little salt in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Quite all right. I'm still I'm still not over it, but uh, but it is what it is. 
I hope you weren't drinking afterwards because it's not gonna. That's not gonna go away. Just the way it is. <laughs> well, it's, it, it was. Uh, it was definitely a hangover. That's for sure. Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, what a great uh, Scott. Let's just start on on you know the beginning to the end here. Obviously, uh, your team. Let's talk about your team first. Uh, this the San Diego Surge. Uh, you know, Seattle Majestic rivalry, I would say, for year one of WNFC really stood out for everybody, right? I mean, it's not, not to take away from everybody else in the league, but it just seemed like between you and them, uh, the last, what, uh, four weeks, almost five weeks, it was literally that type of matchup where you just saw, okay, well, we got Seattle and, Seattle and San Diego again. And it really, that's what it was, you know, prior to this Utah game. And uh, just, a, just a defensive battle but it was an awesome game to watch on the defensive side of the ball normally we get all offensive and we're all happy but a lot of uh credit has to go to the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball because really that's what the those matchups were they were really defensive games besides the one game in seattle that you guys put up 20 but other than that it's been very close games yeah we had um you know i i would say i I think our defense played as as well throughout the season as well as any defense in the league. Um, you know, our, our coaching staff, uh, Jordan Prophet, Taylor Glassnap, uh, Sidney Butsoten, um on the defensive side, they were, you know, they were our primary position um, coaches, uh, Jordan being the defensive coordinator. Um, they did a fantastic job throughout this entire season, keeping our team in games, preparing for, you know, big challenges, um, you know, playing San Diego, we had we hadn't beat San Diego before, and um, I think San Diego was, had a little bit of a down year this year. But um, I, I don't want to take take too much away from what our our players accomplished. But I thought they played really well. They rose to the occasion um, at home, um, and then and then went down there and just played an, an epic battle. Just I call those slobber knocker. Um, just you know, pounding each other back and forth um, throughout the game. And, and both teams were just completely exhausted by the end of that game. Um, and then we got the, you know, the chance to, to play a third game um, in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's a great camaraderie between both teams. There's a great com- camaraderie between the coaching staff. Um, there's, there's a high level of mutual respect between us. And, you know, we're, we're friends off the field, uh, but we're going to bring it when we're on the field. And, um I'm glad people got an opportunity to see at least two of those three games. It's a shame that, that people didn't get to see the uh, the tied game down in San Diego because that was probably the best of the three. Scott, uh, on that one game, um, everybody felt it. You know what I mean? In the way, what? No. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. what, what time? Yeah. You know, that was kind of like the reaction that we got uh, or the, that I got when I saw it. I was like, what? no way. It's like, and then we kind of figure out, okay, it's, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is, right? It's going to be a one. It's a tie or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, but then you yeah, come back the, and what, you have to meet them again. Yeah, what what everybody didn't get to see is, uh, which is unfortunate, but, but we had a we had a chance to win that game, um, I think around San Diego's four or five-yard line and missed a, missed a chip mm-hmm. field goal to end it uh, yep. in, in overtime. But, you know, when we walked off that field, um, and it was a tie, you know, I, I told my team, I said, look, guys, you guys have accomplished something that no other team has done in San Diego, and that's that's walk off the field not losing a game uh, to the surge. That has never been done before. They've never been beaten on that field. They've always they've always won on that field. Um, yeah, it was a tie kind of, 
you know, it's not not the end result that we wanted, obviously, but but it was a sense of accomplishment nonetheless that um, that we had done something that no other team had done before. So, uh, you know, to kind of look at the positives on that side, um, especially playing a team back-to-back games because we had played them previous week um, in Seattle and then and then flew down there and played them right away. Uh, again, that's that's really really tough to do. So Scott, uh, that's I, I would say that's the story for the first year so much because it was a great rivalry to begin with, right? I mean, you're two two, yeah. two matchups in the in the season, and you get the playoff on top of that. Um, so it was a great rivalry. I think it was just it showed um, that that was a competitive matchup almost every game, uh, and you guys played really close offensively, not as you know what we expect, right? But defensively, if you yep. if you analyzed everything defensively on both sides of the ball, containment was there for the running backs, pressure on the quarterbacks, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, just forcing uh, balls to be batted away and things like that. So, I mean, you got to give the hats off to both defenses. Uh, and and if you're uh, a football fan, a true football fan, you appreciate that because that was the effort that was given on both sides of the ball. And and it, it was under 20 points almost every matchup. And you know that that was just too just completely just beat down on everybody everybody just get beat down yeah I, I think that was one of the biggest sense of accomplishments that that I think our defensive staff had and I had um about that was you know the surge put up I think over 30 points on every other team except us mm-hmm. um yep. I, I don't want to brag too much since since we got uh we got handed a 43 burger um versus Utah but um but you know it's that's a sense of accomplishment to to be able to 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 shut a team down like like when shut teams down like we did i think defensively most of the year this year um you know it i i think the the hard part for me to swallow was as uh, as an offensive guy calling plays for the for the for the offense I and mean, we struggled badly this year um and and not to make too many excuses but we had a lot of a lot of youth um young players on the on the offensive side um, and had some big injuries early on in the season that probably contributed a little bit to that. But, um, you know, thankfully the defensive defensive group kept us in games all season long, gave us a chance to win, um, gave us an opportunity to, to not have to put up a ton of points, but keep us in games. And you know, I, I couldn't be prouder of what they accomplished anyway and what our, what our team did rallying after that first initial L.A. loss. Oh, yeah, that was a tough – that was a tough – that was really tough the first game, but it was gritty and every both sides played, you know, really good. Um, you had two international players. You had Fuller and you had Nobs. Nobs obviously uh, banged up a lot. Um, you pretty much showed it. So she's going back uh, overseas, basically experiencing what the WNFC is all about. A little bruises and yeah, we actually had a lot of battles. We actually had four this year. We actually had four international oh, players this year. Um, yeah, yeah, we had Sylvie Ivashay from uh, from France. Uh, we had uh, Cody Fuller, uh, Danny DeGroote came back over and played with us uh, for part of the season. Then we had Gabby Knops from the UK. And, you know, Oscar, I think I think that's one thing that I think we do really, really well is we have a really good international reach and uh, players are really excited to come over and play for uh, play for our team. Um, there's a lot of good, a good uh, chatter about our organization um, internationally. And, um, you know, we, we've, we, I, I think that's one of our key strong suits is that we're not afraid to to go out and recruit internationally and bring, you know, bring players over and give them the opportunity to play American football here in the states. And um, you know, a lot of them leave here going, man, this is what football is like. Uh, I wish football was like this back home. Um, but they, 
they grow, they bring a little bit of that back with them to uh, to their home country, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully improve it internationally. Yeah, and it, and hopefully that's uh, you know that's going to filter more in because that's really what it's all about. Um, let's, uh, Scott, since we got you on WNSC, let's talk about this whole thing. You got Adidas to kick it off, Riddell, all this announcement at the beginning of the year, right? Uh, everybody yep. was saying this this can't not be done. Travel expenses, sponsorships, you know, a lot of naysayers basically at the beginning of the year, right? Because it's a brand new thing, everything yep. changed new game, everything. Um, but it's become a situation where it's uh, a lot of welcoming by the players. Certain players in the league really appreciate what the league had done throughout the season. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't as smooth as everybody makes it seem because there was obviously hiccups throughout the year, right? So things happen. But we're here now, and we go to Denver, uh, the, the playoffs here, and the expectation on the in the Atlantic side I think was disappointing because – there was just no way Atlanta was going to uh, Nebraska was going to beat Atlanta, and there was no way Alabama was going to compete with Texas. So you know, in the, on that side of things, it was kind of disappointing on the Atlantic side. And you get the Pacific side. Uh, the one matchup was between you and San Diego again, which was close, 21-17, and then you get 48 to zero Utah against the Bobcats. So we talk about in the past year how you know in the playoffs we don't want to see the blowout mentality, but at this point we did see three, almost three three contests with blowouts, which uh, tells, tells us at this point that uh, there's a lot more work to be done with certain organizations, obviously. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I don't think that there's, um, that there's parity amongst the teams just yet. Um, you know, there, there probably, there probably would have been a little bit more pair. I mean, look, guys, the, the, the Texas team is a juggernaut. Um, they're an absolute juggernaut. Um, and they're, they're really physical, big, fast, you know, they've got a lot of really great players that have come from other, you know, other teams around the country uh, that have come to um, uh, just gather on, gather in one organization. And I mean, they're, they're, they're the team to beat, uh, right, rightfully so. Um, you know, Atlanta's probably better than what that score indicated. Um, it's just, I just think Texas is just that much better. Um, and I think, you know, of, of all the teams that are in, that are in the league, there's probably only Utah that could compete with them in, in any capacity right now. Um, you know, Utah's offense is just is just tough. It's tough to defend. Um, even if we, even in, even when you have great athletes on on the defensive side of the ball, it's tough to defend. And uh, Texas showed that they could do that early on, uh, earlier in the season. Uh, we'll see if that plays out um, in the playoffs and championship game. Uh, ultimately, I think Utah will be a little bit more prepared for that battle. Um, in the championship game, and I, I would imagine that they'll probably be a, a, a battle that was very similar to the Best of the West um, game this last last summer, um, and uh, and it'll be be entertaining throughout. But you know, there there are definitely there, there's a reason why those teams are one and two in the country, um, and, and I think that they would be right up there with you know if, if not above, but but right up there with the Boston Renegades um, in the WFA and the DC Divas in the WFA. Um, you know, across the board in terms of talent level and, and competitiveness between them. Um, so yeah, we we still have we still have work to do. I, I do think that the the allure of having Adidas be a, be a big sponsor for us and Rydell um, be a big sponsor for us uh, this year. I think the allure will allow us to recruit players um, from other teams and, and improve talent um, on in within our league and, and within our own organizations. 
um, that part is not going away. That's really exciting. There's some, you know, there's some more stuff uh, that lies ahead for us on on, on that front. Um, you know, you, you want to talk about hiccups. There's a lot of travel involved. We knew that going in. Um, there's some, you know, there's some more expense for uh, for team travel on there. But the flip side of that is, is that you travel, but you're going to play um, better competition um, throughout the league. You know, in previous years we'd played um, Everett and Tacoma. And we we would only get you know a high level competitive game um, in the playoffs, and now we had almost every game this year was was competitive for us. So uh, that that was a change. I thought it I thought it's it 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 becomes a true battle test for organizations throughout the season to play in games like that, um, and uh, and prepares you uh, for for taking on teams on a regular basis and in the playoffs and. You know that's that's really what the league was um, was started for was just, was to try to elevate elevate expectations, elevate level of play, elevate performance on the field, elevate um, you know a fan interest and in, and in, in performance for the fans. And I think for the large for large part the league did that um, did that this year. Uh, I, I think the I think the games within the league within the WNFC were were much more competitive, much more entertaining for fans to watch. And uh, and I think it's only up from here. Yeah, I know. I think the the matchups uh, with certain teams was interesting. Um, if you look at the rankings between one and fourteen, uh, I think the rankings kind of reflect exactly the true story. The top five probably sure. the more dominant team, and then the middle of the yep. pack pretty impressive. Denver of late. Uh, you had Nebraska come on strong in the middle of the pack. Uh, Los Angeles even was pretty pretty decent. So uh, the teams in the middle of the pack still were an up and down sh- shuffle. The bottom, the bottom tier teams, you know, with uh, North Florida, and you had um, New Orleans and Houston. So there's a lot more work to be done there in terms of you know brand new teams probably going to have to you know do a lot more work. But overall, the I yeah, think the it, season overall was really exciting because as fans we got mobile access on Facebook, um, and then shout-out to Sports uh, San Diego um, Digital on the San Diego Rebellion uh, page. I think that, that they were the best broadcast for the for the season. They did an amazing job doing the Rebellion games as well as the playoffs, so pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I think the, um, you know, the, 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 the new teams that started up in the WNFC this, this year, um, I think that was to be expected. I don't think any of us went in thinking that there were there were going to be high level organizations, you know, being able to compete with Texas, Utah, us, San Diego, um, on and on. Um, that that that's a tall task to do um, in your in your first year. Um, but some of those other teams, you know, Alabama Fire, I was really impressed with with their talent level. Uh, Nebraska, I was really impressed with their talent. I mean, I watched these games. I'm not I'm not you know one of those guys that just watches Seattle and I don't, you know, watches our games and our opponents and doesn't, uh, doesn't watch other games throughout the league. And I like to see how these other teams do. And, um, you know, there's, there's some developmental talent that's there that, um, you know, give them, give them another year having played tough competition. And I think, I think the draw of being able to play tough competition like that will bring in more talent, will help elevate, um, the coaching staff to a higher level on those, in those organizations. I mean, it's going to drive them to get better. Like how do we beat these upper echelon teams? How do we get to competitiveness? Um, and they were in, in some of those games, but you know, it, it's, 
it's that's that's what drives our staff playing teams like Utah and San Diego. You know, it's like, man, we got to prepare. We got to get ourselves ready. We got to get better as a staff. And I think I think we'll see that next year in this off season. Um, you, you know, we'll see those stabs get better and get those teams prepared better for next year. And then the entertainment um, value will start going up for fans in those games. Yeah, I think the the aspect that we have WNFC TV was really just spot on because a lot of fans were on the road, probably couldn't attend the game, right? All that stuff. And that gives you another avenue of access that we didn't have before in, in, in sport. So it really uh, elevated just the fact that you could just get it live on your phone and watch it the whole time. And there was a lot of people watching. I mean, uh, some instances there was over 300 people watching just on the mobile app. So that's a, yep. that's normal what you would see in the stands. So anywhere from three to 500, that's pretty good. If you're, you know, for branding purposes, there's a lot of people, you know, eyes on you in terms of what you, your, your product is. So it's really good on that. Uh, monetizing that aspect of it on the mobile side of things. We've talked about um, with uh, Brian Sewell and um, OJ Jenkins. Uh, so that's what they're working on at this point to get obviously teams more revenue in terms of the streaming factor to try to get, uh, some revenue in that aspect of it to, to the team as well. So it kind of minimizes all the costs for everything else. So, um, Scott, the big moments here, we got Falcons, Texas Elite, the battle of 2008 of Best of the West, the in-season battle that uh, obviously was won by Texas. So literally uh, the Spartans are 2-0 and against uh, this juggernaut Utah Falcons that came from the IWFL. And now this is the, this is the clash. This is where everybody wanted to be, 1-2. At one point, it was 2-1 and one in the rankings, and so we have the two best teams in the WNFC in Denver on June 29th. Well, the only, the only team that, that, that we didn't want this uh, to happen was, was my team. I mean, we were hoping to be able to play Texas in the championship this, <laughs> this next week. Of course week, but, you were. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, look, Utah is a is a tough, really, really tough opponent. We've had some, some you know, really – hard battles versus them. Uh, you know, they've, they've taken us to the woodshed for a couple of years now. And um, when they were a previous Utah team, we had beaten them a couple of times, but it's been a while since we've beaten them. Um, they're a tough opponent. Like I said, their, their offense, their offense is incredibly difficult to prepare for because you don't see it regularly. And, and, you know, when you don't, when you don't rep it um, throughout the year, uh, a lot of times players get into the habit of their eyes, letting them, deceive what they with you know their eyes are deceiving them on the field um so that that part's gonna be tough you know tough for texas um the flip side is is you know utah's defense um you know jody jody down there has done a terrific terrific job of getting their defense prepared um over the years uh to play in tough battles they're fast they're physical uh they they react quickly i know i know that they probably didn't show that in the game that was in Utah during this regular season. But you know, I think all you have to do is look back at the best of the West game versus Texas uh, and say, you know, Hey, there, there could be a, there could be a battle brewing here. Um, and maybe that game that was in Utah wasn't indicative of what we're going to see in the championship game. And, and, and I, and I don't think it, I don't think it will be, um, you know, I already touched on Texas. I mean, those guys, those guys are juggernaut, man. I mean, it, it is, it is something to watch them play offensively, defensively, special teams. Uh, there, there's very few things that they do poorly, um, and I and I would say there's very few things that they do <laughs> uh, on a 
on a mediocre uh, on a mediocre set. There's a lot of excellent stuff that comes out of there, and um, I mean, but they're they're going to be prepared for anyone and everyone. I'm, I'm I'm sure they're I'm sure they're down in Texas just dancing right now, getting ready and getting prepared for this championship game. But um, it should be uh, it should be an absolute battle between two titans in this sport. Yeah, and this and this is a great uh, first championship because. It really, truly, when we did the rankings, I was part of the WFRC. When we went through the season with the rankings, it really kind of like tested you in terms of, you know, how everybody complains about the Massey ratings with strength of schedule and everything else. Um, since we were going more of a point system, win and losses and, and more value, it really turned out to be, you know, they were one, uh, one and two all season. And to be here at the end, it really is kind of indicative of what they've done all season, which has stayed on state on message um so they're you know the two best teams here it is utah's game as a i guess a revenge factor it is basically texas's game to make a statement that they are the cream of the crop in this league yeah i think i think one of the one of the great things about about utah's um staff and i I know them more than i know texas's i mean i know i know oj and i know bryant um but i I don't know the rest of their staff all that well but you know i have i have conversations with utah fairly regularly throughout the year but you know one one of the things that their staff is incredibly good at is the is the mental preparedness side of the of the game um you know there there are there are games that they that they will play with each other uh mentally to to get themselves prepared for you know epic battles and um and and rick and his staff do a fantastic job of that uh throughout the year so i i I think that you know, when you talk about the revenge factor, I think they will use that game in Utah to um, motivate them to make a statement uh, versus versus Texas in that game. Um, and uh, I, I think Rick's I think Rick's team will be uh, uh, well prepared coming into this championship game. No doubt. I think Coach Rasmussen knows uh, it was the first hurdle. It's it's you know round two as they say. So this is an opportunity, and this is the bigger stage. And for both teams, and I'm pretty sure the Spartans are going to acknowledge, like you said, that this is not going to be an easy just a situation. And let's just hope and cross our fingers, Scott, that we don't get a blowout mentality here because that would be just a downer for all of us uh, in terms of what we're going to get. So, which I doubt that's going to happen because these teams are pretty competitive on both sides of the ball. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see that. So June 29th, Nine Cup, Denver, NineCupChampionship.com. And so if you want to get your tickets now, you go there or you can go to the uh, WNFCfootball.com. So, uh, Scott, great season. Um, I, I presume you had, uh, uh, you had Custis on offense from what I heard all season. So you had to shuffle some people around just to make things work. And then you had, obviously, the, uh, the Brit Bulldozer doing her thing um, as well during the playoffs situation. So great season for the Majestics all the way around. And uh, – Obviously, it ended in Utah. Uh, you put up 10, 10 points against uh, the Falcons, but overall, a great season and great clashes with San Diego. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of our group. I mean, um, you know, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of what we accomplished. I mean, you know, we going into the season, uh, you know, we fully expected to have a, a nice arsenal on offensive line and a nice, nice ar- with n- an arsenal of, of wide receivers, and and I thought we would be pretty good on defense. Um, you know, we had uh, who I think is uh, 
probably the the defensive MVP of the year in the in the league. I'm going to brag a little bit about this on the uh, at least on our side of the of the uh, of the division was um, our side of the conference was Siobhan Verdry. I mean, she was a rookie linebacker came in. I mean, she earned that job um, as a linebacker and. You know, I'm going through games and tallying tackles and going, man, how did she make a tackle there? How did she get there? How did she make a tackle there? I mean, having players like that come out just elevated our level of play across the board. And, um, you know, being able to take somebody like Holly and say, hey, Holly, I really need you at at offensive line to to give a little veteran presence there. Um, You know, the selflessness that was involved. Uh, to to make changes to be able to to be able to move positions like that throughout the year is really what kept us um, competitive, uh, kept us at a high level of play throughout the year. And um, you know, like I said, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but uh, but I'm really proud of where our organization. Uh, it could have gone south in a hurry after the LA game, you know, getting the sure. getting the really bad injury to Tam, um, and mm-hmm. uh, and the team rallied around and 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 pulled through and and ended up in one of one of the better seasons that I've been a part of as as a head coach with the Majestic. So, yeah. So we're looking to, we're looking forward to 2020. Uh so Seattle finishes up on a playoff uh at Utah, 43 to 10 was the result. And then we got the 9 Cup. Any prediction before I let you go here, Scott? Is it Utah or is it uh Spartans? Do you want to predict anything no, here? You don't want to predict, no, you don't want to I'm not predicting no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I've got I've got friends on both sides. I'm not gonna put uh, I'm not gonna put my name out there on the uh, on, on which side to give. I don't I don't like giving bulletin board material to other teams. And uh, uh, you know we've we we utilize some bulletin board material throughout the season to help kind of motivate us motivate us against organizations. And uh, yeah, I don't I, I I couldn't do that to either staff. But uh, it it should be it should be fun no matter what. Um, I'm I'm excited to watch the game. Uh, I, I wish we were in it, but I'm excited to watch it, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably be rooting for both sides at one point in time throughout the year, but um, uh, throughout throughout the game. But uh, yeah, it, it should be fun for for fans across the board. And quite honestly, Oscar, I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm brag a little bit about the WNFC. I mean, you know, a lot of pe- a lot of people were naysayers about our league going in. Um, you know, oh yeah, look at you know Utah and the surge and Texas and you know they're joining forces and they're gonna they're gonna venture off from the WFA and there needs to be unity and all this. I, I don't buy into that stuff. You know, let's, let's make the league as competitive as we can possibly be. Let's deliver on some promises. And I think the WNFC did that for the most part. And, and I think you see that. Um, I think you see that with the WFA copying some things or trying to copy some things that WNFC did this year. And what it's, what it's done is it's elevated competition across, across both leagues. Um, which is good for everybody involved, but um, I, I think people get confused sometimes that that we're the same product. We're not. Um, the WNFC, I think, and uh, and I know that the leadership team believes that that we are the upper echelon league, and, and we're going to do things better than anybody else out there. Um, and and the only way that you can knock us off is is by getting better yourself. So um, I, I think the WNFC. Uh, did what they what they said that they were going to do, and they're going to continue to deliver. I know I know the leadership team very well. They've worked their butts off all year long this year, um, and I'm excited to see where the league's going to take us uh, take us from here because it's the it's the first time I've actually felt like a league is doing something for the teams and for the players um, in women's football since I've been a part of it, and it's 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 great to see. Yeah, and so a lot more things coming up from what Brian and OJ have told us. So. 
surprises in the future, as they say, 2020. I look forward to it, but we got to play the Nine Cup, the inaugural Nine Cup. Yep. That's going to be in Denver, June 29th. The X uh, Nine Cup Championship.com. You can get tickets there. Texas Elite Spartans taking on the Utah Falcons, and we're going to be watching for sure. So, Scott, thanks again. Uh, great season. Say hi to the staff out there and everybody else, and uh, look forward to 2020 as the Majestics improve on this yeah, well, um, early exit in the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely will, Oscar. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks for being a supporter of women's football, um, and thanks for thanks for helping showcase the WNSC uh, as much as you have and, and, and my organization as well. I, I really appreciate it. No problem, Coach. Uh, have a great uh, weekend. Right. Um, safe travels out there as well. All right, thanks, Oscar. I appreciate it. All right, so that was uh, Coach Scott McCarron of the Seattle Majestics, WNFC semifinalist. Uh, they uh, fall to Utah 43-10. to And so Texas Elite Spartans win 40-13 to against Atlanta. It, it was a clash both sides. Um, so now it is going to be Texas against Utah in the nine cup. Uh, we're going to have another huddle coming up here, and then McKenzie will come in here on the top of the hour. Our next huddle is going to be our coach. It's going to be uh, Coach Anthony Stone. And uh, he's played international on IPAB, coached a lot of international teams, women's teams as well, and uh, a speaker as well, and participant in the uh, General Walker camps as well. So let's bring in Coach. Uh... Coach Anthony Stone, are you on? Is that you, Coach? Is that you, Coach? Coach Anthony, are you on? Let's see if he's on right now. Just going to get a hold of him here. Let's see here. Switchboard here. See if he's on right now, and we'll bring him on board in a couple minutes here. All right. Coach Anthony, are you on? All right. Let's bring him on right now. So here we go. Coach Anthony, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, it's pretty good. Just having some switchboard problems here with uh, little fingers. Uh, oh, it's technology. So, Coach, it's awesome. How you doing? Uh, whirlwind for you, uh, going all over the camps, uh, doing your books, and uh, obviously your podcast back on again. So uh, yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it is. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it's been kind of a great year for women's football. We got uh, WFA, w, uh, WNFC, as we just talked about earlier with Coach Scott McCarron of Seattle. And so another yeah. level for women's awareness. And then uh, we're going to have the uh, Jen Welker uh, girls camp over at the event on June 29th in Denver as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I wish I could be there. I just, I, I'm going to be in Australia. I'm leaving on, on Australia on June 29th. So it'll, it, it would be, it was tough to do it. So I wasn't able to do it, but uh, I know Jen and the people they have running her camps or gridiron girls camps are going to do an awesome job like usual. Awesome. Um, coach. So, 
have you watched any of the games this this year with the women's game? I know uh, WNFC yeah. was on TV, WNFC TV. So, you know, San Diego put up a good product. DC Divas also put up a good product on Facebook Live uh, with a good broadcast. So, uh, you know, the the dual league now sort of has elevated both sides to kind of be more competitive but also get better results. Yeah, I, I mean, like, at the end of the day, there's three leagues, right? I mean, there's – we have the U.S. Uh, WFL from uh, the Jennifer runs on, like, the you know, the East Coast. You have the, you know, one Lisa King runs, the WFA, and then you have also uh, OJ's, like, WNFC. I think I watched all games all year, and, you know, I, lo- I love I love watching women's football. I, I was very fortunate with the Chicago Force. They uh, hired me uh, back in the day, and then I was very fortunate to coach the 2010 – uh, USA team, the first national team, and I, I like I like how it's going in all three spots. I mean, the, the only biggest thing we get is that, that that massing rating. You know what I mean? That's the only thing that's like killing killing some of the time. Yeah, I know. It's it, to me, it's kind of like I don't know, uh, Coach. Uh, to me, I've been covering this thing for ten years, and for me, it's kind of like if they haven't changed it now it's kind of like they're not going to change it. And every year we go into this gripe mode right after the regular season about, you know, strength Mm -hmm. of schedule and and all the analytics about it and everything else. And so I don't know, you know, to me it's kind of like just every year it's that kind of recycled conversation that we shouldn't even have anymore because it is what it is until, you know, the WFA changes its concept of it. Uh, It's going to be the same. Uh, I think regionally, regional – the scheduling has to be re- reevaluated more thoroughly in terms of a regional stat- status because you have a lot of, you know, uh, for example, you have D3 champion uh, Orlando and Florida playing D- D2 teams when in reality they should be playing mm-hmm. the same level teams, but it's not going to happen because of travel logistics and mm-hmm. everything else. So it's, it's really a matter of the divisions are kind of a joke in a way because you're looking at, okay, you got two teams in the East Coast and, and in one division – and that's one and two, and that's it. Instead of just putting four yeah. teams, breaking them down, forcing teams to be better, you could have added Pittsburgh and Columbus to the Boston and, and D.C. mix. It probably would have made a, a lot more better competition. So there's a lot of you know conversation that needs to happen within the leadership of the WFA to make it more competitive instead of having you know forfeits and lots of, more, uh, lots of blowouts during the season, and it causes obviously more injury when you have higher caliber teams uh, beating down on lower caliber teams and that you get the results where you're, uh, some people are under understaffed and that's how you get Utah blitz not to complete a season. That's how you get some teams not to complete a season. Yeah. And I mean, like, this, like it's not, it's not bad for any league. You know what I mean? I mean, personally, like I, I love, like I said, I love watching the ladies play and any lady listening, I'm going to tell you two things. One, you guys all should be on TV. I'm not lying yet. Um, two, you know, like we talked about, he said, like my book, my, my drill manuals are gen, are non-gender specific. So I don't have a he or she in there. So the biggest thing I would say with, the, with like, you're talking about the conferences, you know, back, back in the day when there was only, like, one big league, right? You know, the biggest thing I would say is, I think you hit it right on the nail, Oscar. You have two national Division One teams in one league, right? And those are probably the top two teams in that league most most likely, right? I'm not going to say yes or no or whatever, right? And, you know, I'm not knocking teams that they go to they, – if they make the playoffs and then they can't travel, that's it, – it happens, right? Because, like, we don't have a money tree in the backyard. But I think someone's got to say, 
you know, and like you said, we can talk about changing the massing rating every time. What needs to happen is, like you said, we need to have, like, the New York Wolves, the Pittsburgh Passion, you know, somehow get Orlando in there where the WFA say, hey, if you travel here, they'll give you, like, money, or if you travel down, like, your fees or something, like, do something where you have a legit Division One, Division One national conference, right? Like, I look at the website, you got, like you said, they have five in the American and then two in the national. I mean, you should have the St. Louis Slam in Division One. You should have maybe the Minnesota Vixen in Division One, And there, there you go right there. You know what I mean? And it will help out your – it just helps out your travel expenses. When Portland's traveling every single day on a flight, I mean, I, I give Portland credit just for surviving the whole season. You know, yep. because like, like I said, like ladies don't get those big sponsorships and stuff. And it, it's hard because, you know, you know, ladies get a bad rap. I mean, it, I mean, honestly, what Jen does with her camp, it helps out those organizations immensely because it gets them to already start saying, hey, here's the future. Because you know this, Oscar, we're, the ladies and guys that are coaching, they're not getting any younger, right? I mean, right. like there are some teams that they still have players that have been playing like 20 years or 15 years or whatever. And like I tell any lady that's retiring, like I saw, like just on social media, I saw Tony Fuller retired, right? Mm-hmm. After a long, glorious career, like she said, and now she's doing high school football and all that stuff. But here's the thing, and this this goes out like you know to Tony, if you still have gas or you still have that beast in your stomach that wants to play, don't hang it off, because once you do that, don't come back then. Because here's the thing, you're gonna get that itch, and when you want to end it, just end it. You know, and I think, like you said, if someone goes in, or Lisa, Lisa King or OJ or whatever, whoever, or Jennifer, or whatever, like, goes in and say, hey, you know, we want this guy or this lady to look at this and say, give us a proposal. You know, that's what they should do. Because you, you I think you nailed it when I was listening to uh, talking to Seattle coach, right? A lot of games mm-hmm. are blowouts. Well, why are they yep. blowouts? Is it because of the talent? Is it because some teams are heavier than other teams? You know, is it like you're running a fine oil machine like the Utah offense? You know, because you can't replicate that in a, in a scout team. I don't care what anybody says. Nope. You cannot replicate the Georgia Tech Army offense in a, in a scout team. Now, there are ways to, nope. like, do stuff and, like, ABC it or ABCD it or do things like we did when we were at the college level. Yeah, there's, like, defenses that can do that. But, they're like, I think the coach said it best. It's like smoke and mirrors. Utah will do so much or, like, you know, Portland or – Divas or the Renegades or, you know, like the teams in the uh, – what was it, the Keystone team in the US, WFL? They do these things that, like, you just can't stop. Or if you look one way, they're already going the other way with the ball. And you just don't have that, that one or two more athletes that you need. So I think you made a great point no, I, about it. Someone needs to just yeah. sit down and do it. And I think having more leagues is – I mean, having three leagues is okay, but – Maybe not having as many teams or many games, that that would be intelligent because I think you said something about forfeits, right? I mean, forfeiting, they should put something in the contract. If you forfeit, then you pretty much forfeit your playoff game. Because, like, how many teams, I don't know if if you know this, how many teams forfeited a regular season game and then made the playoffs? Did anybody in any league did that this year? It's been every year, at least one, if not, but the rule has changed over time. The last two years, it's sort of like if you're out, exactly. if you forfeit, you pretty much are out. 
So it's really just a structure issue. Uh, my thing is just the fact that you um, are kind of like, it's kind of a downer for certain teams that play at a high level. And, and it looks like to a lot of teams, the win-loss record really is in the trash. And it doesn't get evaluated by win-loss record. So if you're going to go yeah. by win-loss record, you have to structure it regionally a lot tighter. Uh, you have to force teams. Yeah. Uh, an example is, I'll give you an example. In Mexico, over in Lexpo and, and FX Mexico in Mexico, they decided because of the participation that the uh, Mexican team did in Vancouver, where you were over there with uh, Australia, they decided that yeah. in order for them to be competitive internationally, guess what? They had to go to 11-11. Well, they don't have the capabilities to go 11-11, right? They don't have that. They don't have a feeder system yet for 11-11. But they did have enough 11-11 for four teams, right? So any eight-on-eight team or nine-on-nine team that finished at the top of their division, you know, normally a three-tier division, anybody that finishes in Division One and 999 gets the invitation to go play 11-11 for the next season, and anybody that finished last in 11-11 gets to go back down to 999 to earn it. Mm-hmm. So I think really the WFA should force a structured uh, Division One, Division Two, even if they eliminate Division Three, to force the fact that if you finish at the top of your game in Division Two, you are then elevated to Division One, and anybody that finishes last in Division One gets downgraded to Division Two. See, and then you're only put, you're only fluctuating maybe two teams out of the whole every year, but you're forcing the programs to get better, and now you're at another tier, and you're really more competitive, yeah. and the recruitment improves. And the player stability of retention gets way better because now you have, you're telling the player we're going to play at a more competitive level than we are playing now. Yeah, and you're 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 talking like how like Australia does. Australia, like Victoria does mm-hmm. that, where if you win this level, you move up. And this is with the men's usually with the men's teams with the state right. uh, in that state. Here, here's a great here's a great example, right? And I'm not. And here's the thing. We all know numbers are low across the board in every gender, right? And I think Correct. women's numbers might be even up. Let's say women's numbers are up. But here's what I think is funny. You said a great example right there. If you're a Division three team, why aren't you playing 999 football until you get the players to be able to play 11? Because here's the thing. If I go and I'm, I'm Coach Stone in Coach Stone City and you're Oscar Lopez in Oscar City, and you have 50 players, and I have 15 players, guess what? 11 on 11 is going to be very hard after the first quarter. And Correct. then most likely, four of my players are going to go down. The following week, I'm out the whole time. And I don't know, I, I don't watch, like, the fourth quarters and stuff. I just want you to know that. And I, I apologize, ladies. I, just, I mean, with five kids and having four girls and one boy, and the, and the four girls want to play football. Like, my, my 13-year-old playing flag football this Saturday. And it's her first year playing, and it's because of Jen Walters' camp. And the thing I wish is, like, you know, the Madison Blaze were still around because eventually I'd have to go there in Milwaukee to go to a game and show her, hey, this is you if you want to be older. But, like, maybe thinking about revamping it, hey, if you're Division three, maybe go 9-on-9 or 8-on-8 because, and then shorten the fields out because then you don't have to worry about certain things. Now, will that hurt? Will that, like, hurt a team in Division one play to Division three? I think you said it best. It shouldn't happen. And if the team could start fundraising or the leagues can start have the league have their own fundraiser for the teams that need to travel, 
I think that would help immensely. The other thing, too, is, you know, if we're talking about any league, some teams fundraise way better than others. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't if see it, the if DC you treat it, Coach, if you treat it as a business, if you treat it as a business, your mindset changes completely because you got to exactly. you got to make revenue. Exactly. You got to make revenue if you treat exactly. it as a business. It's no different than you and me. I am the yeah. business of selling shirts. I'm in the business of creating revenue on social media. I get mocked a lot yeah. by saying, "Hey, you don't you don't cover my team. Your team is irrelevant to me if you're not the top dog. If if you are not a elite team, I am not interested." See what I'm saying? And it's hard to say well, because everybody says, well, then you're not a real, a real women's football uh, you know, fan or whatever. No, I am. But I want to showcase the best of the best. Whether, whatever continent it is, I'm going to spotlight the best talented athletes in Australia, in Europe, in South America, in Canada, in the U.S. Because I want to bring attention to the sport, to a, an audience that says, wow, they are elite. See what I'm saying? I don't want to be showcasing yeah. – 65 teams that uh, are, they're irrelevant to somebody that wants inter- that wants to be interested into the sport. You want to showcase the best of the best. You know the team, the, the best team in France, the best team in Germany, the best team in the UK, the best team overall. And I, I'm in the business of promoting the sport. I'm not in the business of making an, a certain teams feel good. I'm in the business of forcing teams to elevate their game in terms of awareness, in terms of promotion, in terms of, you know, uh, getting their word out, things like that. That's, that's what we do on the podcast. It's not about promoting the sport as a whole. We're promoting the elite leagues, elite players, elite teams, because that's what's going to get us attention. I mean, to me, it's like, if you don't treat it like that, then you're no different than a high school team and they're beating you in attendance. Their high school in Texas is like God, right? Everybody treats it like the NFL, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's just the way it is. But if you've got to break, if you got to break the barrier, coach, right, between high school and college, as an example, the only barrier you're going to break is show a a reliability of of recruitment, show a higher competitive caliber of play, and then people start to draw and pay attention to you. That's really what it boils down to. That's the simple. You know, then the other stuff comes along. The other stuff comes, the sponsorship, the, the interest in trying to promote you. The fanfare comes right after that. But if you don't have uh, that mindset that you want to be at a higher level of play, then, you know, you're, 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 it's kind of like, you know, uh, you're, there's certain teams that are like Boise State. Sure, you're on the map, but you're never going to make it to the championship, right? It's like just you've got to be at a higher level. You know, and here, here's a great point, right? Like, we saw on social media all year, right? We saw, like, the Desi mm-hmm. Dynasty, like, and I think I think the coach before me said it best. Everyone was naysaying them, right? And, and like, everyone was like that. I don't care what anybody says. Like, there were a lot of people that were naysaying them. And, and the grind, you saw the grind, because as a coach, any coaches listening, like, if you're coaching a women's team or high school team or I'm coaching teams right now, it's every day. I don't care what anybody says. There's no off season. And what the WNFC did, they, they pretty much put – they went all in, and they said, we are going to do it, right? Like you said, San Diego had a great product with their – you know, Ms. Coach Martin did a great job with her things, right, with her broadcasting. Mm-hmm. You know, Adidas and Rydell did a great job for, for going on board the NFC. And then, like, the WFA is doing great things too. Like, 
there's like, you know, the Denver team, the, the Mahai Blaze. I think that owner's doing a great job what she's doing over there. You know, and, and everyone's like raising their game up. The biggest thing, like, like I, I keep going back to, is we need to have it where the WSSA did it right. They did lower schedules. You know, they did it in a way where, yes, the games were still blowouts in some ways, but, like, they weren't 80-5. to five. I don't know if there was any games like that in the WSC. But I remember watching some games in, in leagues where, like, I'm seeing 80, 90 points. Are, they even, are even those teams playing the backups? You know, I mean, if you're beating a team that much, that team shouldn't be on the field at that time. They're not ready yet, like you said. They have to elevate their game. So either bringing them down to nine-man ball, eight-man ball, so you can start it up, so you can get them going to get 11-man ball. But if you have 15 players on a team and asking the team to play 11, you ladies are awesome because there is, and there is no men's team or boys' team that could play 15 players and play a nine. Is a nine-game schedule WFA play? Is a nine? Yep. Is it like almost, how many? Is it like nine? Almost nine weeks. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, the ladies in those leagues that have the low numbers, I commend you. And you know, even though the score might not represent how much heart you guys are playing, how much success you're doing, but I mean, I, I commend you all. And I, like I said, you no, all coach, on TV, but it's hard. playing both sides. But, Playing both sides of the ball, you know as a fact that's exhaustion. Four quarters, I don't oh. care if you play 10-minute quarters, that is exhaustion. That's Iron Woman football right there. When you're playing up against yeah. a 50-man rostered team, that's just yeah. – <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyways, yeah, that's Iron Man Woman right there, or Iron Woman football. But think about, think about this, like, ready? You can, like, you could play, right? And I don't care what gender you are. You play football. You play both ways. You're deteriorating your body every time you're going to bang. If you're playing O-line, you're probably playing D-line if you're going both ways. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. And, like, some of the force ladies, some of the remember when they had the Dallas Diamonds, you know, things like that. Playing both ways or the Sirens or whatever, those teams, and they had those players play both ways, like those, like you said, Iron Woman ladies. I mean, holy cow. And, like, they try to do it nowadays, and it's tough. And, I, I, and then the injuries occur, and, you know, the ambulances yep. are called, and that's just something you don't want to happen. And, like, my daughter, when she watches a game with me, or my daughters, you know, and my son even watches them too, they're just like, oh, yeah, that blindside was not good. And it's just tough because you're getting blindsided sometimes because you're playing both ways and you're trying to just get to the ball and you don't have mm-hmm. that head on a swivel, and then you lose your best player for two weeks when that one player by herself could have beat every like beat the two teams like that following week. It's just hard. You know, and I think the ladies, as like, fans, every lady that plays. Yeah, as fans, you, you know, we have to kind of, as fans, we kind of just voice our discomfort with certain league mandates, league rules every season. Um, so I'm not going to take anything away from, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and just bash one league or the other. But I will say, you know, the WFA has had a longer tenure. The opportunity has been there for uh, elevating the game. They got to restructure it. I think it was just kind of a bad structure for them this year. That last year before that was really good. The year before that was really good. Um, so just a matter of revisiting the whole thing and figuring out, you know, how do we make a D, D1 a true D1 and a, and a D2 and et cetera. So it's really a brainstorming mentality that needs to happen in the off season about how we elevate, you know, the league and the brand. I think the missing point in women's football is nobody's on board with the branding and the branding gives the branding doesn't give anything back. And that's the hard part. And this is the first time in my tenure that I've covered it is where the the WNFC brand is saying, we're giving something back to you. You know, you elevate the brand. It's no different than the NFL shield, right? 
you, you elevate the shield and we're going to give something back. And so that's really the mindset. I think teams have to switch to that. They have to say, what can the league do for us? The, the one deterrent thing about women's football coaches, I don't see players being spotlighted on a weekly basis. There's no faces to any type of team out here, even on, on their individual social medias. There's no players that say, come watch me. I mean, Chicago Force used to do that every week. Every week yep, that I, I followed Chicago, right? Come see this yep. defensive, you know, defensive player. Come see this offensive juggernaut. The, Jen Gray, right? Jen Gray was on almost weekly because she had, you know, she was awesome. the hands and she had, right. And so the, we're missing the boat in certain teams that you're not promoting the players. You're still promoting yourself as a team, but you're not promoting what people want to come and see. You know, you got Kangaldi in um, in D.C., right? That's exciting to go watch. That's that's like Steve Young in, in a certain sense. That's like a Steve Young type of quarterback. You want to watch that. And so you got to, you know, some owners get it, others don't get it. But um, so, Coach, let's give you some time here. Back to basics. Sure. You can get it on Amazon. It will help pretty much yeah. everybody and no matter what football level you're at, right? Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing, like, with, with my books, how it's funny because my wife, my wife, like, hates how we have a walk-in closet with a bunch of stuff on my notes and stuff. So what I did was I started writing books, and my first one, my green one, is 582 pages long, and it's got the learning triangle in there. So if any lady and a couple of ladies have purchased them, I know that because they've called me and things like that. But it's, it's over 100 drills in the green book, and it's offense, defense, uh, special teams, tackling, and turnovers. And you get a lot of free stuff. So if you buy a book and you write a review on Amazon and you post that you had it, I, I send you bonus content. So you can tell who's read the book or not, Oscar, right? And um, mm-hmm. the other thing, too, is then I have four volumes for tackling. I have an offensive one that, that goes more in-depth with play charts, um, play call sheets, things like that. Volume two is defense, uh, you know, stuns, blitzes, and things like that. Volume three is a special teams for anyone that wants to run special teams or you want to be a coach of special teams. Uh, and then volume four is tackling and turnovers. And then I, my flag edition is out. It's the largest flag uh, drill manual. It's 504 pages of flag football stuff. But it, if anybody's playing tackle football or flag football, those books are really good. And it will help out with a lot of things like, you know, my uh, drill speed level that I invented, the Coach Stone drill speed level, the learning triangle, where a lot of people don't realize if you learn the learning triangle, you can pretty much defend the pass, run, stop the pass, and stop the run or run a play correctly with run or pass, things like that, just by learning the learning triangle or teaching the players that. And uh, like I said, it's gender-specific, so there's no he or she in it unless it's talking. Unless I'm talking or one of my buddies donated a drill and I gave him props for it and things like that. But it would really, it would definitely help anybody that's looking for new drills or looking for things. And like, like I do after a game, if anybody knows me, I don't, I don't like celebrate and, you know, we go party or whatever like they – you know, the team want to go hydrate. I'm on, I got a little notepad or I got a little like piece of paper on me and I'm right now what we need to work on for the following game. Or I, even when I'm at the high school, like when I'm coaching the high school, I'm already looking at seeing what we can improve on to make ourselves better. Cause like you said, it's a business. And if you're winning, more people are going to come. And I think that's what the thing happens. It's a bad thing to say, but if in women's football, if you're not winning, you can't generate the crowd. Like you were saying, but if you're winning, everyone's coming around. Or if you have a good product to share, like, you know, share like a Tony Fuller or share, you know, like 
you know, uh, a player like OJ's team, Rachel May, or things like that. Promote a player a week or sponsor a player or help out a player get to an organization, the, the travel thing, that would be awesome. But, yeah, I, I appreciate for, like, giving me a shout-out about my book. It's over 2,000 pages for the Volume 1, Volume 4, and the Green Book, just alone. And they're all different drills and stuff. Yeah, no problem, Coach. Anytime you uh, you want to come on, like I told you, you're welcome to come on. Um, just an exciting, uh, you know, to, to have tools is one of the things that people kind of lack in certain aspects. And some of the coaching, and we talked about it before, and you're aware of this too, right? There's uh, teams that obviously get, you know, you get the fee, uh, fee for the league, but all of a sudden you have no idea how to structure, you know, a practice, have no idea how to structure all this stuff. And so you go blind. But when you get tools like yourself, like your books, it kind of gives you a little bit of a perspective of what needs to happen and how things could get better as a staff and ultimately it just benefits oh. the player. And if the player learns that as well, it's just quicker learning. That means the, uh, everybody's up to par and on the same level. You know, and here's the thing too, and I'm not trying to toot it my horn with the books, but if you bought, if you're a tackle program and you bought the green book, volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four, you, you will be better in those categories, the categories of offense, defense, uh, special teams, secondary turnovers. Because here's the thing, too, and Oscar, you, you watch the women's games all the time, right? Here's what's mm-hmm. really funny, right? When you're on kickoff, right, and you kick the mm-hmm. ball deep, you're kicking to that returner, correct? Correct. that's the best player on the team. That's the best player on the team they put back there, right? The fastest player they you put in the back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you kick it to her all the time? Why would you kick it to her if you know all she's going to do is run it back? Correct. I mean, that's one thing, like, in Volume 3, my special teams book. If you're running a kickoff team, and, like, look at your yardage, right? Your hidden yardage, I always say. If the ball is always going to – if you kick the ball off to, you know, Team Oscar, and he runs it back to the 10-yard every time, why are you going to kick it to that person? Just you, – you know, I mean, you'd be better off onside kicking every play. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of, instead of going to the 10-yard line at first and goal, at least you get it to the 50. You know, or just blue right. it somewhere. Or kick it to one player they don't have. Because if you're going to do – their kick return team is not going to have 11 fast players. If they do, they're a Division One team, and they deserve to be in the finals. Of you course. Know? You know, and that's where some players need to take breaks because you said it best. If you only have 15 players and you're playing both ways, guess what? You're not playing both ways. You're playing three ways. You're playing offense, defense, special teams. Because if I put 11 old linemen out there, and I love the old linemen to death. I love them to death. Ted Brooks, you know, Don Peterson, you know, Rachel and all them. I love you guys mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, listen, you, if you're on if you're on special teams, on kickoff teams, there's a big problem we have. That's a big problem with your team personnel. Yep. And so it's it's sort of like like I said, it's a structure issue. So back to basics. Uh, you can get it, uh, coach, on Amazon, right? Primarily, but you can get it on yep. the other outlets, right? Uh, you can get them on. Uh, no, no, that's the thing. Like with with the my back to the basics book, I, I'm exclusive with Amazon. So if you go to Amazon.com and any Amazon, all over the country it is, and just put back to the basics football drill manual, and then you'll see Anthony Stone underneath there with the book. I do want to give out a shout-out to Jess Johnson. She's the one that created my logo. Her and my wife uh, sat down, and she made that back to the basics logo with Coach Stone football, and she does all my covers and things for Jess Design. Um, if any lady also, if you guys don't know, I have my own website, CoachStoneFootball.com. It has some great sponsors on the bottom with uh, some discounts of great products that you can help you even improve in your game at any level. 
So, yeah, but, yeah, Amazon.com for my Back to the Basics book. All right, Coach, uh, uh, shout-out to the podcast. You're, you podcast back on, I believe, on uh, J.C. Hawks, right? Yeah, J.C. Hawks. BJ's awesome. Uh, she is like a godsend. I appreciate her and J.C. Hawks Radio for letting me do it a couple of years ago, and then I had to shut it down just because, you know, I got too busy. We got we got really far in the playoffs at high school, and uh, she, mm-hmm. you know, it was a blessing. I asked her if I can come back, and I, I am back, and I did my first one with uh, Watch Game Film. And anybody listening, I would, they're my new sponsor. I would definitely look into them. You can get what Huddle does and Crossover does for 500 bucks. Wow. So, and you can get playbooks. You can get four, I think it's four different camera angles, but we only do tight and wide mainly. Uh, it's unlimited storage, ladies. So if you have a team, unlimited storage. Now, like you could say, like one team could be like, well, we only do a – Coach, we only do a tight uh, wide copy from the sideline. Well, then get their $100 package. It's only like 100 bucks or 100 and something bucks. And that's for a whole year. I don't know about you, Oscar, but paying those prices with Huddle, like two thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, or whatever, you can just do one license, hundred bucks or five hundred bucks, and you got a lot of different things you can use out there. That's a lot wiser, of course, in terms of a business sense. Yeah. Of course, um, it is. So, Coach Anthony, great job. And you're going to be in Australia. Is that men's side, or what are we doing in Australia? Uh, uh, June 29th, I leave. July 12th, uh, Gridiron Victoria, I'll be with. I'm doing their uh, football developmental series. I will actually be there from uh, – I will arrive July 1st. I get a day off, thank goodness. And then after that, we go July 2nd to July uh, – I don't want to say July 10th. It is from – ready for this, Oscar – 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. football. We'll be doing camp wow. for juniors, little kids, ladies, and men. We'll be doing skills and drills. We'll be on-field coaching. Like, and uh, what happened was GV asked me to do this, and uh, I was very honored when they asked. Something I did with the uh, United Kingdom when I brought over the Heads Up program that's still there now, and they're at Level 2 certification. And uh, what we'll do is we'll have, like, cl- clinic talks and, like, e-clinics I've done for Glacier or talks to Glacier. We'll do those talks. I have Coach Rick here go- coming and Cody Kazaza, and uh, we'll have three separate rooms and GV. Uh, get the videotape in and stuff like that, and then their state gets to use it. Any other state would like to come over, they can register and uh, be invited to the same. They're going to release the schedule probably next week or uh, this upcoming week. But I've seen the schedule, and I'm not lying to you. Football is from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., and it's either clinic talks, GV chalk wars, GV wars they call it, um, and then skills and drills with on-field coaching. Uh, and then we're going to visit practices and then – we're going to talk to teams and, like, let them either do it or we'll run it for them. And then I got a lot of sponsors coming over that are on my website. Or if you guys go to over and like Gridiron Victoria, you can see all the sponsors that have donated. Like, just to name a few, Phantom Ball, uh, NASCO for Flags, Tackle Bar, uh, Tackle Tube USA had Tech Pads, um, and other things like that. I mean, there's many more sponsors, but I, don't, I can't name them all right now. Awesome. So wish you uh, safe travels to Australia. Um, like I said, you're welcome thank back you. anytime on here. And so uh, thanks for coming in and chiming in on to the women's game as well. And then back to basics, you can get it pretty much on Amazon. And if you have Prime, obviously you get it quicker, so it's even faster. Yeah. And if you have if you have Prime and you have Kindle Unlimited, you get it for free. I mean, that's I mean honestly, that's, that's a good way to go or buy the book if you like that. And then, hey, uh, Oscar, I want to give a shout-out to all the ladies playing this weekend, next weekend. And on, I, I wish them all luck, all the teams luck. And uh, just keep growing the game. 
You know, I mean, like for my four little girls, they, they just want to play. And I appreciate them all just keeping her, their dreams alive. And I want to thank every lady, like every lady I ever coached or ever talked to, from the bottom of my heart, they playing tackle football. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. All right, Coach Stone, thank you. Safe travels to Australia. We'll keep tabs, and then we'll be listening on J.C. Hawks for uh, Coach Stone's podcast. Thank you, sir. Hey, have a great one. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Coach. Have a great, uh, great night. See you. Bye. All right, guys, that was Coach Stone. Uh, you can go to Amazon, uh, CoachStoneFootball.com. Uh, you can get the links there, or you can follow him on Facebook, Coach Stone. Uh, Coach Anthony Stone, and you get the links there as well. So uh, great job there. And we're kind of just, you know, we're trying to talk, elevate the game. Back to basics is one of the tools that you can get in terms of a team structure, uh, building your team, recruiting, getting the fundamentals set in place. And uh, he's been doing it for a long time. He's been helping the women's game as well. He was at the uh, the uh, women's world uh, football games as well. And he's done a lot of clinics with uh, Jen Walter. So, a lot of things happening, and he's uh, always busy, as he said. He's going to be breathing and living football over in uh, Aussie land for uh, Gridiron Victoria. So uh, go to CoachStoneFootball.com, or you can go to uh, basically back to, back to Basics, and you can go on Amazon.com as well. So got cool stuff. Let's bring in the Salty one, uh, Mackenzie Brooks in the house. How's what's going on, Salty? You know something? It's been a while. How are you, Oscar? I am hanging out, and nobody wants to listen to me because they want to listen to you. So check it. I have a couple notes, and I have a couple – I have some salt for you real quick. Um, I was listening in on your conversation with Coach Stone. Shout out Coach Stone. I'm sorry I wasn't able to uh, get on the pod while you were on with uh, Oscar here a couple minutes ago. But I will state this, just going back to your guys' conversation about, um, you know, having the possibility of the WFA – um, you know, phasing out the D3 teams. I personally am going to have to disagree wholeheartedly with that, mainly because my team, the Iowa Phoenix, is a D3 team, and we have we are one of those teams that have that are low in numbers and that have had to play those rosters with 40 or 50 people in them. And just like the both of you guys said, you know, it's it's Iron Woman football. Any women's team or any team in general that can play, you know. 11 on 11 on 11 with low numbers for four quarters that that right there proves not not just that it it doesn't have to be so much a a a winning juggernaut but any team that can do that lastingly through through an entire season like we have is a juggernaut in itself that that just shows it shows heart it shows that people want to play and as far as not having the personnel to you know having linemen out on special teams that's because those smaller teams like mine and those smaller teams that are in D3 don't have those players to where you can switch out an entire unit like the 30 and 45 man rosters can. And I'm, no. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm the, kind of annoyed that you no, guys are uh, kind of stating. Mackenzie, Mackenzie, we're only we're looking out for the players. That's why we're, that's what the no, issue and I is. Totally, what, what I'm saying is no, it's I like totally his, point is, his point is this. If you can't roster a consistent, a consistent 30 man roster, then, you put, then you're jeopardizing the players by forcing them to play against a 50-man roster. You know what I mean? No matter how good a player can play on both sides of the ball, if you go 10 weeks, you're going to have a mass unit at some point, and you're going to be outnumbered. So his point is, 
we have to restructure everything to benefit the player and make sure the player is safe. The way it is right now is if you're, if you're a, you know, Orlando, for example, uh, I talked to Melinda Sparks a couple weeks ago. She was down to tw- almost 12 players, and she's playing Jacksonville and, My- and Miami Fury, which already had 45 players. You know what I mean? So it's like you're yeah, jeopardizing the yeah, players. Totally, that's that's like our I said, whole I totally, team. I totally understand that. And he wanted – he – Coach Stone was talking about, you know, if you don't have those rostered players, those enough rostered players to play 11 on 11, then you should drop down to the eight-man or nine-man. And in the same aspect – Okay, so if if a team doesn't have those those numbers to put out twenty two, twenty five players, you know, right. per game at a time, it people like women at this point don't sign up for don't sign up to play the eight on eight or the nine on nine. They they sign up to play no, right, the eleven right. on eleven. That's that that's the thing that draws that has drawn women to playing women's full right. game football is the eleven on eleven aspect, not the and I'm not saying eight man and nine man's watered down by Amy because I've played eight-man games before, and they, those games are intense and very, very fast. So, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not poo-pooing them in any way, shape, or form. What I'm just stating is, as far as the full kit, 11 on 11, American women's football is concerned, that's what draws women to play the sport. No, right. Is the 11 on 11, you know, concept. Now, I mean, in terms yeah, of players so different. and all that, obviously, we talked you, about, you want to keep. We talked about Mexico. It's no different. We talked about Mexico, right? Uh, just like I made a point. Yeah where Mexico has been on eight on eight for the longest time. But since they went to Vancouver, they are now forced themselves that they have to get ready for 11 on 11. Their national tryouts, their regional tryouts, everything now is 11 on 11. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's the same concept you're saying. It's like nobody wants to downgrade to nine on nine or eight on eight, right? When you've already had 11 on 11 uh, mentality, because it just takes away from the true form of football. Right, and that's what I'm saying is, like, and in terms of you guys, you know, Coach Stone also brought up the Madison Blaze. The Madison Blaze, unfortunately, they they had to fold this year because they were on our schedule as well as um, some of the teams that sure. we played this season. They were, on, they were on their schedules as well. So with them folding, it forced us to have to play the bigger teams multiple times, which, you know, in the aspect, a one-series game with a bigger team isn't so bad, you know, if you're only playing that team one time. Like, for us, we had to play the Wisconsin Dragons twice, and we had to play the Minnesota Vixen twice. And those, both of those games were very rough for us, just in general, because we already had smaller numbers. And um, with having that Madison Blaze Bowl, it, it forced us to move, move our personnel around. You know, you were talking about how, you know, you have to force yourself to be, you know, be elite. And where you were, you were stating that, you know, you, our podcast is there to – highlight the you know highlight the upper echelon of football of women's football which isn't quite true because I and I'm totally like this is my own opinion but I'm stating that it's not quite true because if that weren't the case I don't really think I would be a host on the show you know I'm not my team hasn't quite been like any Iowa team that I've played for hasn't quite been elite for a while so to sit there and state that you know you were only promoting the upper echelon isn't quite isn't quite factual just for the plain fact that we cover all spectrums of football, whether it's the legends, no, what I'm, WNFC, all you, of, you know, what I was saying WFA. is we, what we was, what we're saying is we're, we're trying to drive the fan awareness with the best of the best teams. So you're an all-star. The reason you're on the podcast is because you're an all-star, you know what I mean? Not because you play for the Iowa Phoenix. 
the reason we have you on the on the podcast is because you're an all-star. So your level of play, you're legit, and everything else. But we try to showcase the best. Well, see, of the and best. that's what that's I'm what saying I'm is saying. like is like with with that like with with the array of hosts that we have, um, you know, mm-hmm. Holly, Louise, myself, you and Troy, like with mm-hmm. the with the array of hosts and knowledge that we have, it's very it's very a wide range, wide you know a wide range spectrum. Holly and Louise come from, you know, better foundations of winning as far as football is concerned. Where my background, I was kind of mm-hmm. I, when I started, I was you know my Iowa team that I played for at that time was kind of phasing out as far as all the older talent, you know, and all the, the, the winning tradition itself. So like, and I'm not saying right. that, like, I'm not trying to, you know, draw negative anything to anybody because, you know, women's football is, you know, where, what we focus on. So it doesn't matter if it's good, bad, ugly, terrible, you know, the, any, any aspect of women's football, that's what we're here for. And, you know, you've been covering this sport for as long as I've been playing. So you know what you're talking about, but I'm just stating from a, a smaller team um, a smaller team view in terms of everything that's been talked about, it, it's kind of hit or miss. No, and, and and it also goes back to organizations, right? Because that goes back to structure, ownership. Uh, only certain teams, you know, are at a higher level. You know, Orlando's been at a higher level because Melinda truly believes she's got to pay higher level competition, even though she's in the same boat you guys are, which is she knows that as you get to week eight and week nine, she's going to be more of a mass unit. Right. It's going to be like she even she even said um, it was great that the schedule gave her like a two a two week, uh, two week, uh, two weeks off after a certain amount because it allowed them to heal. Right. But if they had gone back to back weeks, they probably would have not survived the whole season. So it's really based on your scheduling and it's based on all these other factors. But, you know, what we try to do is try to focus on how we get the game to another level. We've always talked about hey, one league over the other, doesn't matter which league is going to get us to another level, right? Uh, the, the end game here is for players to get paid, to get bring in sponsors, to, you know, get something to where we are at a level where it's beneficial for the players. And we're always, you know, for the players first, owners second, because that's the mindset. The branding comes right after that, but it, it all works together. If the branding is great, then obviously it's going to take care of the owners and the players. But we're not at that level yet, of course. Well, and, and of course, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep taking time. It's going to keep taking, you know, those building mm-hmm. blocks as far as, you know, creating those, you know, the, the flag leagues and the, and the tackle leagues for girls, you know, coming out mm-hmm. of middle school, coming out of, you know, elementary school, mm-hmm. stuff like that, and having them see that, you know, the Peters just coming out. Like football, we, you know, we talked to, exactly. We talked to Coach uh, Dion Lee, uh, you know, how he's doing that over in Nevada. Florida's got programs started for flag. Obviously, Utah's in play, Manitoba in Canada. So, obviously, the, you know, the grassroots, um, what you would call college football to, to the NFL, we don't have that. So, we have to, you know, the foundation has to be at flag. The interest has to be there, and then it goes to tackle. Same thing that Mexico does. We talked about Mexico a long time ago where, you know, players, uh, flag football is like the heartbeat of Mexico, you know, international play. But they start at flag. Then they go to legend-style, bikini-style play. They get hooked on that, and then eventually they go to full kit because they love the, you know, they they go to a progression where it's flag, then it's semi-contact, and then now it's full contact. So literally in the states, we're at that level where we have to breed the next generation of ballers, which is like Coach Dion said, we gotta like get every high school on board to have 
uh, you know, flag football. And and once we get that, then obviously the gr- the growth of the participation is going to grow and the opportunity there, obviously, uh, better recruitment for all the players in terms uh, and the owners in the women's tackle community till, till we get recruitment on there. So it's a, it's, it's a you know, it's a hurdle. We're, we're working on it. Everybody's piecing it, trying to piece it together. And so, you know, and the end result is we have progressed in the last 10 years. So, you know, the WFA obviously being the, the bearer of, of the game and the highest elite league in the world. So there is where people want to come. Now we have the WNFC with the excitement this season. So, you know, between the two, uh, one or the other is going to elevate us to another level. But we still need, uh, to your point, we still need that feeder system to sustain it. Absolutely. And and even, to be honest, I wouldn't even be surprised if both of them, like both the WNFC and the WFA, were, those, were both those leagues to kind of come up together uh, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, making mm-hmm. that – making that initial step up to the next, up, you know, echelon or tier, whether it's, you know, finding a big mm-hmm. enough sponsor, you know, or two to sponsor each league, you know, find those smaller sponsors to sponsor each team kind of thing. It's It's been – competition's good. I think that's where Coach uh, Stone was trying to say. You know, the, if we get if, – if the both leagues get competitive, the only ben- – the benefits there is going to be ownership and player. Because if you get bigger sponsors, guess what? That means uh, players are probably going to – are going to pay less for certain things. Owners are going to obviously pay less for certain things. So, you know, competition is good. So it's been, it's been a good season for both leagues. Now, uh, Mackenzie, we're at the end. Um, so we talked about that at the beginning of the hour. So let's, uh, let's dive into legends here before we dive into the international scene, because we got a lot of good news in the international scene as well. So uh, week eight, Seattle versus Den- uh, Denver Green, 62 to 20. Uh, Denver's quarterback Perea was playing pretty good for about a, two quarters and a half, and then she got um, a concussion. They had to take her out of the game, so that kind of reset their whole offense. Uh, Liz Kamak obviously was a non-factor. They had substituted the running back Eunice, but when you're going up against the Seattle Miss and the all-stars that they have, Randall, Snore, Malloy, Williams, uh, Matheny, Waylon, uh, I don't know. It wasn't it, – it wasn't a situation where uh, Denver played horrible. It was just a situation that they were out, they were outmatched basically with more talent on the other side. And even uh, Allie Alberts going down with the probable knee injury, I think the score would have been different if she would have stayed in the game. But because she got you know pulled out of the game because of uh, precautions on that, um, you you get a sixty a sixty two to twenty. Seattle obviously the better team, uh, and they're they're, they're probably going to finish undefeated and they're eyeing their Legends Cup return. Oh yeah, I know. And I was as I was watching highlights and in parts of the game and taking notes, I literally came across some stats, at least for Seattle, that I was I'm still trying to piece together. Like Matheny had 300 and 302 total passing yards alone, just passing yards. Like that's not even that's not complete, or I mean that's not you know incomplete. That's straight up just catch you know tossing mm-hmm. and catching the ball to her receivers eight touchdowns and one one interception the entire game eight eight touchdowns mm-hmm. like it, look I was I was kind of blown away and I'm like I, I mean the, the athleticism and the just overall field awareness that the Seattle Miss showed that game was very not I can't even say surprising because their field awareness has has always been pretty good, but the fact that Matheny, you know, stepped in and had 
302 passing yards at the end of the at the end of the game is just phenomenal. And the fact that her receivers and her backfield, as far as as far as uh, Shoner with her um, with her receiving yards and rushing yards too, to combine for her completions was just outstanding to me. I just I, I'm still like I'm sitting here just going back over my notes. Like Shoner had 113 completion and four touchdowns and her, her longest yard her longest run was 23 yards and like I said Denver did have time of possession at the first half but they because their quarterback went out she was playing pretty good ball she was actually at one point or another uh taking advantage of some gaps on the uh Seattle Miss uh defense where she took advantage of a touchdown or two um but I think the Denver Dream uh defense was really the Achilles, uh, the Achilles heel here for them they did not play well on gap control. They were just getting outplayed in terms of, you know, the run game. So a lot to kind of re, redirect themselves. But overall, I think Seattle obviously is the top-ranked team in the league. Uh, this weekend coming up, if you missed it, you can go to YouTube at Legends Football League and watch it again. But if you uh, are getting ready for this weekend, week nine, it is the Atlanta Steam this weekend. Uh, it's coming up, and there, you can get to watch them. They're a pretty exciting team, too. They're coming off a, a loss, um, and so they're trying to stay in contention. They take on their rival, Chicago Bliss. Um, Chicago, obviously not the Chicago of old uh, from the last year, and uh, Coach Hack obviously retired, and it's been kind of an up and down. Tamika Robinson and company there trying to make a statement. Their defense, uh, Emma Vander Hayden, former Chicago Force standout, just played an amazing ball out there. She's uh, interceptions plus on both sides of the of the field. So this is a uh, Eastern Conference matchup. It is Atlanta's game that needs to happen to, for a win. Hopefully they don't have a letdown. It is Chicago's game to kind of, you know, rebrand themselves as the new team here if they can beat Atlanta. So it'll be an interesting matchup this weekend. But, uh, you know, uh, Michelle Marshall, our Nojo football athlete out there, Dakota Hughes, uh, Lauren Ziegler and company versus Tamika Robinson. So it's going to be a pretty awesome matchup, Mac. Uh, it's going to be – whether it's the Bliss have improved over two games here or it's going to be uh, Atlanta rebounding after that loss in Los Angeles. See, you, you know how I feel about underdogs. And right now, Chicago's the underdog. Whew. As much because the last, yeah. time, the last time I made this prediction, I lost. And I was very upset about it. But I'm going to stick with my gut and I'm going to go with Chicago by 10. Wow. You are going to take down the steam. It's a rivalry, so yes. these girls in Chicago know that, you know, they've been – every game they've been told, you're not the same team. You're not championship caliber. They're the champions, you know what I mean? And they're being, they're being told right now, you're not the, at the caliber of your predecessors before you, the pioneers before you on this franchise. So we'll see how that turns out. But week and nine, uh, yeah. Atlanta versus Chicago. You can rewatch week eight, Seattle versus Denver. Um, so it's going to be on Legends Football League there. Um, let's go to uh, Canada, uh, Mac. So let's go to Canada right now. Cross conference semifinals happening. Regina Riot taking on Edmonton Storm. It is Saskatoon Valkyries taking on Lethbridge Steel. Uh, Lethbridge and Saskatoon have met in the finals before. Uh, they're no strangers. Regina and Edmonton, uh, no strangers as well. So this is, these are the four best teams in Canada right now. Sask- uh, Saskatoon, obviously. Justin uh, Plateau, uh, their coach, uh, died in an accident. It's a tribute to him to finish the season strong and, and raise the WCFL Cup uh, championship. 
but we'll see how it works out. But it is Saskatoon, June 22nd, June 23rd, cross-conference semifinals, Regina Riot champions versus Edmonton, and then Saskatoon uh, Valkyries versus Lethbridge Steel. So a clash of four awesome teams. Yeah, it, you know, the, the Canadians are very – they're very aggressive when they when it comes to their their play of football, whether it's on the women's spectrum or the, or the men's spectrum. And anywhere in Canada, you're going to find competitive football. It does not matter where you go, whether the team you're playing against or the team you're you're watching, rather is you know a little bit lower echelon. That their lower echelon teams are still very very good. So I honestly cannot pick between the four teams as to who's going to win and who's not, because all four of those teams have all, com- have all competed very tightly with each other the past couple of years. And I'm just, I, I can't really, I, I can't really budge either way. I mean, I'm just going to be looking so, forward to great games across the let board. Me, let me put it out there. Regina really uh, needs to kind of step up because they've had kind of an off year. Uh, Edmonton is really hungry to make a statement here. Uh, the conference side which is the uh, not the, the non-prairie side, non-prairie conference side. This is their year that they got to make a statement. Edmonton, if Edmonton beats Regina, then it's going to be a great clash. Uh, Edmonton uh, lost last year, I believe, in the finals. At Lethbridge has faced uh, Saskatoon before, so it's going to be a really good clash. the The favorites here, obviously, is Regina and Saskatoon because they're the staple programs in the league. But we will see how competitive and how uh, their programs have elevated in terms of Edmonton and Lethbridge. So very interesting. The championship will happen on June 29th, the WWCFL championship in Regina. And guess, guess what, Mackenzie? June 29th in Denver, WFA, WNFC, June 29th in Canada, WWCFL championship. What a day, June 29th, for us at the Hub to finish coverage everywhere. We're covering Canada and the U.S., the finals. It's pretty awesome. June 29th. June 29th is going to be a very eventful weekend in general. Absolutely. And I, for one, I love it. You know how, you know, I love me a good jam packed weekend of football. So this is going to be it right here. And it's, it's going to be long lasting too. You know, some weekends as far as championship weekends and finals, you kind of feel like, Oh, it's just like a jet lag or it's kind of just like drawing out. But June 29th, the, the end of June through the first week of July is going to be very, very interesting and very jam-packed, and I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. I can't, I can't wait. I'll, the only reason I'm saying that is because this guy and this crew is going to be way busy. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, we're w- going to be WFA Division One, WFA Division One, Division Two, Division Three. You know, the semifinals on June 29th. The the nine cup in Denver, the WWCFL championship in Canada. Yeah, we're gonna be way busy. <laughs> uh, who's my buddy? Says next to me, we we're, we need to pick up a, a couple more bang cases. Cause we do. Need, we we do. We need to need pick up a couple more bang cases. They should endorse us. <laughs> we live off of it. Seriously. Oh my God. Um. Interesting weekend. So June 29th is the date uh, that nobody wants to miss. This weekend is off. Everybody's fundraising in the WFA as well as in the WNFC, as well as in Canada, to try to get to those dates. Um, if, you get, if you can help out the teams, 
You can go to their respective uh, Facebook pages, Arlington, Cali War, D.C., Boston, Mahi, St. Louis, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Mississippi Panthers, Nevada, uh, Columbus Vanguards, Orlando. All the teams need help uh, to try fundraising to get to cover the travel costs and cover the hotel costs. Uh, for some teams more than others, Mississippi going all the way to Nevada can be pretty costly for them. Uh, the other teams still costly, but you know not probably as costly as uh, Mississippi traveling to Nevada at this point. But we'll see. Um, let's see here. Um, congratulations to the Curitiba Silverhawks for winning the Brazilian Paranese final. The Aracoria Bowl won. They defeated the Cold Killers. You get the details at the hub. Facebook.com. You get articles there plus the video and everything that happened. So you can go there as well. Congratulations to the Raiders for winning FXX Division One against the Sharks. You get a coverage there. You can watch the second half there, courtesy of OFA Networks, OFA Networks. So thanks to them. Really appreciate them participating and giving us the feed as well. And uh, you get the FanDuel offer uh, as well at the Hub. If you haven't played WNBA on FanDuel, you can get 10 bucks on us. Go play WNBA on FanDuel. It's pretty exciting. Support women's sports. FanDuel, get the offer. Click it. Get 10 bucks to play WNBA on FanDuel. So pretty awesome there. Um, there's a Tuesday touchdown that happened over in Sweden. Uh, shout out to Eleanor Holland, TD, uh, during the Vastera uh, Rotors game. So you get, get to catch it there at the hub. Pretty awesome touchdown run game all the way to the TD. And then we had the touch the touch, Tuesday touchdown, Tony Triplett of My High Blaze defeating the Houston Energy. 22 seconds left, McKenzie. What a catch. And they take care of the My High Blaze winning 30-22, to 22, and they advance, obviously, to take on St. Louis this weekend. But an awesome catch. I watched that game, and I almost was going to shut it off. And I'm like, I can't even watch this. And then – Oh, and then their quarterback drops back and throws the ball, and Tony Triplett takes catches the ball, and she had so much focus when she caught that ball. I was just, I was screaming at my TV set. I was like, oh, my God, she caught it. Because for 10, for like point tenth of a second, I was like, oh, my God, she's going to yep. drop it. She's going to drop it. I was like, oh, my God, no, she caught it. She got it. I was like, ah. But it was just, it was amazing. And I'm so glad. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then we got the still away. photo as well, so you could see her completely have the ball in hand. The still photo, you got the oh, yeah, video, but the, 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 look on her the face photo too. itself yeah, tells you, like, the concentration. Too. Yeah, the look on her face, too, was almost the same Tony had because it was just like, okay, I have to catch this ball. I have to catch it before I try to advance or try to, you know, put myself in the end zone. I have to make sure I catch this ball. Like, that was almost the same exact look that both of them had. And I was just like, this is too much for me right now. I cannot watch. And I was just, I was beside myself, Oscar. I couldn't do it. It was a good it was a good matchup and we knew it was going to be a good matchup cuz uh Houston's a very good good quality team they came from the WFL they were the champs taking on Mala High we've had win on the show right and she said this is the year we want to go return back and now they get to make us they get to go and face the best team in division 2 which is the St. Louis Lamb you've seen them live Mackenzie this this is no joke we football. played them yeah we we played the Iowa Phoenix we played the St. Louis Slam we played Minnesota Vixens twice and the Wisconsin Dragons twice. So we, we, we've seen – I know what they can do. I'm pretty sure Mile High Blaze knows what they can do. And to be honest, I'm going for the Mile High Blaze to beat them. Wow. Are you serious? The Mile High Blaze? I swear. 
Yes, I am. I'm I'm going for the Mile High Blaze to beat the St. Louis Slam. It's going to be a slugfest, much like the St. Louis Slam and um, the Minnesota Vixen game was. That one was a slugfest, and I believe this next one with the Slam and the Mile High Blaze is going to be a slugfest as well. All right. So um, you got Sasha and Smooth Lori Jones, our no-joke football athletes. I am telling you right now, they got to play like they've never played before because this St. Louis wall of defense is no joke. They got to play like literally flawless football to go up against this, this, this beast that is the St. Louis Lamb. And I had Taylor Hay here, Mac, uh, like two weeks ago. And you know what she said? She wants to finish undefeated all the way down to the, to the, uh, to the championship. So you know she's hungry for oh, that. Oh, I know, and and yes, yeah, I know those girls on that St. Louis Slam team. I I have a couple friends on that team, and as much as I love them, I I I have to go. I have to go for the Mile High Blaze. I just think that, you know, they they've gone through so much getting getting to where they are now as the St. Louis Slam have been dominant for a while. I mean, and that's been four or five plus years, maybe a little bit more. Um, with the exception of those years that they did have to take off for injuries and, you know, and whatnot. Um, yeah. I'm going with the wind team. I'm going for the Maha Blaze. And I'll even give you a point prediction there. I think the Maha Blaze is going to stun them by 10. All right. So they're winning by 10. Yes. Okay. So you're taking the slam over uh, – I mean, you're taking the uh, Maha over the slam at this point. Yes. Yes. All right. So uh, you guys can go to the hub at facebook.com. There's an article there, a great, cool article by the Philadelphia Inquirer on Coach Lori Locus. So you get spotlighted there. There's a question on the hub. The Seattle Miss, the most dominant team in the Legends Football League this year. Can they continue their, you know, their road to the Legends Cup? We will see. Matheny has been playing great. Also overseas, Karlstad Crusaders clinched their final to the Sweden finals, and they'll be facing, I believe, Orobro. Really good, exciting matchup. We'll get the details up there on the hub as well. And we haven't even talked Germany. We'll talk about Germany in the next couple weeks. Uh, Berlin Cobras against the Hamburg Blue Devlins. Um, And then we'll talk about pretty much what the scope is over in Germany. Spotlighted by Arch City Media. That was the Slam versus the Minnesota matchup. You can get the article there and you can read it up as well. Coming up events is AFE Virginia Beach, July 24th to the 28th. A lot of our uh, athletes are going to be there. A lot of women's uh, tackle football players are going to convene on Virginia Beach July 24th through the 28th. Uh, And there's Hall of Fame announcement by the AFE, and you can get the announcement there. Uh, Kenji Martin was uh, Hall of Famer, uh, announced as Hall of Famer for the AFE, as well as uh, three other um, participants there as well. So check out the link there, and they're honoring those players, uh, part of the AFE uh, banner. And they're going to be playing, like I said, uh, their matchup, Virginia Beach, July 24th to the 28th. So really good. And then shout out to the Leonas, the Yucatan, the Ofase uh, champions. You can get it, check it out on Instagram. Uh, congratulations to them. They are the champions of Merida Yucatan uh, and the 11-11 status. Leonas, the Yucatan, congratulations to them. So pretty awesome there. And we have a Inter TV out of uh, Brazil that has exclusive coverage and by the uh, Aracaria Bowl, you can watch the whole Brazilian National Championship from Paranzi. And right there, it was Curitiba Silverhawks taking on the Cold Killer uh, team there. So pretty awesome things happening at the Hub. 
So, Mac, if you're not aware, that's where you want to be every week because that's where things are happening in the women's game. Look, you know, I live on the hub quite literally. It's it's a thing. Me and my, my cases of bang when I'm doing my notes and game recaps, that's where I stay, the hub. That and Twitter. Yeah, that and Twitter, of course. Um, so, Mackenzie, let's go with the predictions here before we get out of here. we got about uh, seven minutes here. Um, are you taking Texas Elite versus Utah? Was it too early, or do you want to wait till next week to figure that out? Ooh, mm, I'm going to have to have another week on that one. Ooh, okay, we'll wait. I was, I was going to do the same thing. We'll just wait another week, just kind of ponder it and stuff. It'll be a nine cup championship. It'll be ninecupchampionship.com if you want to attend there. And it is uh, the Texas Elite Spartans taking on the Utah Falcons. It is a clash of revenge clash, basically, of the 2018 Best of the West matchup and the 2019 regular season clash. So we'll see how those two teams stand out and who will be the inaugural nine-cup champion come June 29th. We'll find out as well. So we've got another week to figure that out. Um, let's go through the WFA schedule of June 29th games here, two more weeks, this week and next week. And that's what I said. They're all fundraising between now and that week. Uh, the Boston-D.C. matchup was, as expected, 62-32. Renegades take care of D.C. in the week 11 only game at the WFA schedule for some reason. So that was the only game. So Division One, um, Mac, Arlington Impact takes care of uh, their end of the bargain. Now they get to get they get to face Cali War. This is a huge matchup for them. Uh, Arlington or Cali War? Ooh, Arlington or Cali War. I'm going to have to go with Cali War. Definitely. All right. Boston um, or it's gonna, That was also going to be a slow test. Boston. Boston. Mile High, St. Louis. You said Mile High already. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Detroit Pitt. Ooh. Mm. Uh, top Pitt. one. Pitt. Pitt. All right. So uh, Mississippi all the way to Nevada against the storm. Mm. I'm going to have to go with Nevada on that one. They played good. I was very impressed when they beat when they got 12-6 uh, to 6 against Cali War. That was an impressive game. So I'm, I'm on that There's storm no, bandwagon storm myself. The storm has been rolling literally all, all season. And at this point, I just don't see them – I don't see them veering off of that, that track that yeah. they've been on. I just, I'm I with you on that. I think, I think they're, they're, they're hungry. They know that they're, they're just a little closer to where they need to be. Um, Vanguards have played good two years in, in existence and almost both years made the playoffs and this year they certainly made the playoffs and now they get to face Orlando who apparently as far as I'm concerned uh, they've played amazing ball all year and uh, they might feel a little disrespected because you know they're the champs still but until that and somebody knocks them out I'm going with the I'm going with the anarchy hmm. I'm actually I'm going to go with the Vanguards. Okay. Go uh, Melissa's li- uh, Mel- uh, Melinda Sparks probably <laughs> listening right now. <laughs> I know. She, she's probably like, really? You're going to get but help. I think I, I know. I know. I always do. So that, so you're going, you're going uh, Vanguards. I'm, I'm taking Orlando, Nevada. I'm taking uh, Pitt 
St. Louis. Uh, I'm taking Boston, Cali War. Um, but I really think Arlington has a shot, and I could be surprised. So, yeah. See, and, and I'm that's why, like, with these score predictions that I have floating in my head right now, I see most of these games staying within six points, like three to six points. Yeah. Um, I Let's just cross our fingers and we have no – Let's cross our fingers that we have no blowouts in these in this in this finals here, in the semifinals. That'll be so awesome. If we can get some close matchups, that'll be great. Agreed, for sure. All right. So Mac, uh Mac is back, you guys. Salty one is back. Um we're gonna be talking NFL next week. Uh we should have Troy back. And then in a couple weeks we should have Holly Custis back as well as uh Louise Bean. So hopefully uh, by in the middle of July, probably the whole, the whole gang will be back. And then we're going to start talking Aussie football, Germany. We're going to talk UK. And then of course, we're going to talk NFL as we're coming down to the new NFL season. So OTAs, off season news and notes, everything else, Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins, Rams, uh, and all that, all that noise. So we'll be talking about it. So uh, McKenzie, welcome back. It was great. Uh, we had coach stone here, which is always informative. And then we have uh, Coach Scott McCarron, who uh, obviously had insights in terms of the two teams that are in the final at the Nine Cups. So uh, thanks to him for coming in and giving us some insights on, on the WNFC and the perspective of the season and everything else. You know, it, it's great to be back and to be giving the world my point of view as well as my salt yet again. I have missed the pod since season, and I'm glad to be back. And I hope everybody's ready for a summer of salt because that's what you're going to get. And we, we expect Salty. It's the best. So we're uh, – Troy's not here, but you're taking over, so what does it matter at this point, right? Not a big deal. Look, I've always been the favorite. Troy has just been holding my spots in the season. It's okay. I'm back now. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for the absent Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez here, and uh, Louise Bean and Holly Custis, uh, and the Salty one back in the house, we'll catch you guys here for 279 as we get ready for the WFA playoffs big slate coming up on june 29th next week we'll preview it one more time and then obviously the whole slate june 29th is going to be big canada plus the u.s finals it's going to be great if you miss anything go to the hub thanks to our sponsor zazzle.com and you can go there at zazzle.com forward slash screen reviews you can save up to 20 percent off and on top of that we are now on iHeartRadio. so thanks everybody go to the uh, apple podcast we have a five-star rating go ahead and give us a Rating, obviously, if you love Mac, it's going to be a five-star, right, Mac? You know, if you don't give us a five-star, I kind of think you're just a hater. So you should do it anyway. So let's go to the, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star, and you'll be good. Um, give us some comments and give us some love as well. So we'll be here next week, 279, as we get ready for another week closer to the WFA semifinals and also get closer to the nine-cup championship and the WWCFL championship as well. So catch you guys here next week. Have a great evening.